this morning anyway. Uh, it's, it's really a privilege this morning. We have some friends with us this morning. And um, last year when I was in Cuba, uh, I had this, this wonderful uh, translator who lives and works, ministers in Ensenada, Mexico. He and his wife uh, are uh, longtime servants in that neck of the woods. And uh, I met Pablo in the uh, airport in Miami on our way. We were waiting to catch our plane to go into Cuba. How many knew you could catch planes from the United States to go to Cuba? Yeah, it's not advertised, but they do exist. And um, we hit it off immediately, and I was interested. We spent a lot of time together, and I told him if he ever got to come, that uh, I would like very much to have him share a bit with us. So in a moment, I'm going to have ask them. Uh, I'm going to ask them to come, and uh, just talk with them. But part of why it's so great that they've arrived when they have is as we've been sort of revisiting the whole world of the kingdom of God. What does it mean to be a part of the kingdom of God? We've spent a little bit of time dusting off the, uh, kind of dusting off the God in, in, the, in the moment, you know, that, that the kingdom is now. The kingdom is within you. It is not something as believers we have to go looking for. The reign of Christ is already here. And, and when he is in charge, he, he shows himself, he manifests himself in thousands of ways. There's no one way that he seems to prefer. He seems to prefer whatever people's needs are. And that's how he shows up. And if we are sensitive to that, sometimes it's a, it's a one-time, in-the-moment encounter that we have with people. I had one this, this week that just blew me away that uh, I'll maybe be able to tell you about one of these days soon. Just hang it out there for you. But it's just one of those things you just you don't expect. You couldn't have set up and um, resulted in an invitation to church and individuals' promises they'll be here on Easter. But just, it was a, it may be more than a one-time encounter, but you know, sometimes it's there. And then how many of you know sometimes the kingdom of God calls you into long-time commitment? You, you do it and you get up and you do it again tomorrow and then you get up and you do it again the day after that and then you kind of begin to get the feeling that six months from now I'm probably going to be doing this still, maybe even six years from now, and maybe even 30 years from now, I'm going to be doing this. Does everyone understand that's all still the kingdom when King Jesus is in charge? And I, I, I want you to hear some of what Martha and Pablo are involved with. We're going to do a little interview with him for a few minutes, but I have a video that will introduce them probably maybe better than me. And... Uh, and this will be correct because they put it together and not me. My track record's not so good. But um, if we could watch that, then I'll have them come up. darkness you're the hope to the hopeless 
You're the peace to the restless. You are. There is no one like our God. There is no one like you, God. You're the God of this city. You're the King of this people. You're the Lord of this nation. You are. You're the light in this darkness. You're the hope to the hopeless. You're the peace to the restless. You are. There is no one.
your name. We wanna praise your name. We wanna see you lifted up. No one is like you. All right. So I'd like to uh, introduce to you Pablo and Martha Garcia of Link International. Worship team's already got those warmed up for us. If you guys don't mind sharing this, we were, of course, with DTI training, the Discipleship Training International in, in uh, Cuba last year. They're getting ready to go back here right away, and the whole team is Frank and Pablo, because for the, f and Marta, oh, Marta, you're going too. I didn't see how well informed I am today. Um, <laughs> Because this is the first time they're relying mostly on Cuban trainers. It's grown, and uh, we're just excited about that. So you want more information about that, you can speak to Frank. Uh, th these folks are involved in a lot of things. They're busy, busy people. And um, let me just uh, do a real quick, oops, real quick rundown of what I do know about them. You saw a lot of this. But I want, to, I want to ask them a few questions and uh, just hear from them about how they're reaching into their community and why their presence there in Ensenada is making a difference. And I'm doing it because I'm wanting you also to think about your world and our world and the one that we're in and the, the community that we have to impact. So several of the things that you saw there, there's a sports uh, evangelism, there's uh, supporting church plants, their benevolence ministries at uh, Casa de Pan, you saw the, the, the feeding program with the children, discipleship and ongoing discipleship using the same material we are. Uh, that's how we met. And um, so um, I just want to start with um, just asking a, a couple of questions. What do you, the two of you, feel like is your most significant role in where you're at right now in Ensenada? I'm going to translate for Pablo. <coughs> well, uh, first of all, I uh, oh, want to thank you for allowing us to be here at your church. Um, I was excited to be here at your church. and uh, What a great privilege to serve together in Cuba and also uh, looking forward to continue to serve together in the kingdom of God. Um, for us to be in Ensenada, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ called, uh, called me at a young age. I was 18 years old. And I said, Lord, here's my life. I do whatever you want me to do. I'm ready to go anywhere you want me to go. And so I was living in L.A. at that time. And I started sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with my family, my friends. And they didn't want to do nothing with Jesus. So then I go, okay, Lord, they don't want nothing with Jesus, then I'll go and share with my people in Mexico. And so that's how I end up in Tijuana, and then I met my wife. The Lord brought her down to share Jesus with the Mexican people in Tijuana. And then uh, shortly after that, we were married, and uh, the Lord uh, took us to Ensenada, Mexico, uh, almost 25, is it 25? Almost 25 years ago, the Lord took us down to Ensenada. 
And uh, the Lord has been doing all kinds of things. You saw in, in, in a short version all the things that we're involved. And uh, we are excited uh, of what the Lord is doing in there. And looking forward to, uh, to work together. You and me talk about a little bit about seeing the possibility of your church involvement going down to Mexico. And uh, I just want to ask, how many of you have been in Mexico before? Wow. A lot of you have been in Mexico before. All right. Well, there's a great opportunity for you to go back to Mexico. Maybe you went as a tourist and have fun in Mazatlan or Cancun or Cabo San Lucas, all those places. But uh, there'll be an opportunity for you to be able to go and get your hands dirty, get your body dirty, uh, reaching out. Our heart is to reach Mexico for Christ. Uh, and not only Mexico for Christ, but as you see, the nations for Jesus. I told Jesus, Jesus, I'm 18 years old and here I am. Take me wherever you want me to be. And the Lord had to bring an incredible woman to my life to be able to do that. Uh, she goes wherever I go uh, because God called her to be with me to serve him. And so um, our goal is to really continue to reach Mexico for Christ. And Ensenada is where the Lord has us. That's our base where God wants us to be. And so um, that's what we want to, we want to continue to do. Uh, Martha, why don't you tell us just a little bit about Ensenada and what, what you are, um, some of what you're doing there, why you're doing what you're doing. Well, um, Ensenada has all kinds of different communities. Um, there are rich communities, kind of medium communities, and mostly poor communities. And where we are serving is inside of a very poor community. But that does not stop the vision of what the pastor had for our church. Our church is called La Gran Comisión, which means the Great Commission. And our body isn't huge, but our body is sending out and serving. We're always serving outside of ourselves. It's a very outward-focused church. My role, first of all, is to be his secretary and kind of keep things together. Um, and I also um, probably... Um, the thing that I'm most involved in outside of those duties is ministering to people that come to our home on a daily basis. We have many, many visitors. And so I have learned hospitality, and I have learned how to listen and give advice and, and counsel as it is needed. Thank you. One of the things that really excited me um, when I was getting to know Pablo was a ministry that they began using soccer. And what began to happen with that ministry when he just began to do something that was all he already loved, but he saw a connection with the gospel. And so why don't you tell a little bit about your ministry with the soccer, soccer players and the teams? It's a, a wonderful ministry. I'm almost 50 pretty soon. And I still play soccer with the kids. They are 16, and you know, they're 
strong and fast uh, runners and uh, it's a great it's a great ministry that we could do uh, you could have fun play whether it's soccer or volleyball basketball anytime uh, you do some sport you can make it completely significant you know um, because whether you believe it or not people will see that you are a different person and sometimes we hide that up like pretending you know we love to play sports and show up or whatever but truly people know who who you are and so the way I work with uh, sports uh, ministries is that every time that I play I show them uh, good sportsmanship and uh, as I was going through our church, there was soccer playing every Sunday. There was teams playing over, uh, uh, over by our church. There's a soccer field. And they were always play. And I said, Lord, one of these days I would love to play uh, there, uh, in one of the soccer teams, and be able to share Jesus with them. And so as I was thinking of that, the Lord just sent me the... Uh, the person that organizes the tournaments and says, hey, do you would like to get a church team playing with our teams? And I said, sure, I'd love to do that. And so I got a bunch of people from our church and uh, also we got some uh, youth from the community and we started playing soccer. And so uh, through the years, the Lord has is, is, is given us an incredible harvest. Uh, some of those kids are pretty rough from the community they're drug users and they rob and steal things and stuff and uh, when you when they play and stuff and you look at them and say oh, wow uh, but then when the Lord takes hold of, the, uh, of their lives it's like God turns something uh, we'll say like something ugly to something incredible beautiful you know not, not, that all, not only their uh, outside appearance changed but their hearts are completely changed by the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ so it's a very uh, incredible way to reach out our community. We have right now about probably five uh, different uh, soccer players that go to our church even uh, now with their wives. And uh, more, many more they have gone, to, that they go to different churches. And my soccer players, I always teach them, hey, I don't want you to be cousin in the field. I don't want you to be arguing with the, uh, with the opponents. I want you to always be a good sportsmanship. If they kick you hard, then tough it and uh, be a good sportsmanship. And, uh, you know, even though you're not a Christian, because I have about, I will say about 80% of the players, they're not Christians. And so my goal is not just to play soccer. I love soccer. It's my favorite sport. But I always tell them, hey, I don't care if we win the championship or not. I don't care if we win trophies. That's not important to me. The trophy that I want to win is you for our Lord Jesus Christ. That's my goal. And I do this for you. I spend time, I mean, after Sunday, I mean, after church, like uh, today, what time is it now? It's 10.30. So our church starts at 11. And then around 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock, uh, to 4, to like 8 o'clock at night time, there's games going on. And so after I'm done with church, I go and put my soccer cleats on and go and play with the youth and men because it's a mix it's at all ages and so 
uh, and play soccer with them. And the Lord is doing incredible things uh, through that ministry. So there's many different things. Uh, Martha, maybe you could tell us a little bit about the Casa de Pan, the feeding, and, and also talk about a little bit about how all this gets funded. How do you pay for all this? Because you guys got a lot going on. Okay. Um, Casa de Pan means house of bread, and it is an after-school program that was born in our church and now has traveled to several of the different mission sites that we have. Um, and you saw a picture up there of some cooks, and then the second picture was one of the ladies with a whole bunch of canning jars. And so um, in addition to feeding the children after school and having a safe place to come to instead of going home and being alone, um, they're also receiving good balanced food. And we've taken um, some groups down. One group in particular um, is very interested in teaching how to be self-sufficient. And so because this one particular Casa de Pan is in an agricultural area, at different times of the year, they get huge amounts of the same crop. And so we taught them how to can food. And so as they learned how to do that, they will can, 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 can all through the harvest season. And then what they have prepared gets them through the rest of the season. It's a great, great program, and it's going in that Casa de Pan in Colonet, and there's about six or seven small Casa de Pans all down the peninsula that were all born out of the, the, the dream and the vision that our pastor had to take care of children. Uh, the way we're funded, um, the Casa de Pans are not funded by, um, well, it's donation. I'll just say that. It's by donation, and if the donations don't come in, then those Casa de Pans that are registered as a nonprofit, some of them already are and some of them aren't, they can go out and they can ask for food donations at the different stores in town. Also, um, people that are harvesting the crops know about Casa de Pan, and so they will donate when there's a lot. Um, available. Also, there in there's several Casa de Pans in fishing villages, and the government has come alongside them and gives them boxes of milk, oatmeal cookies, beans, rice, soy, different things that they can use during the year or during the month. And DEEF, which is the government organization, they monthly give donations to one Casa de Pan, and from there, it's scattered to all the rest. And also, because it's a fishing village, the canning companies will also donate fish as it's available. Thank you. Um, just, there's a lot that, there's a lot that, that they do um, and are involved with the discipleship training and the work that they do, primarily with men that are in recovery. Uh, I would like to talk about that, but. Uh, I, I just want to hear um, from Pablo, if you could, just what, what our part might be. Because we are talking about being a part of this ministry and going. It's, a, it's, a, uh, it's, it's within reach of us without great expense and without, without uh, you know, we don't have to make 14 
uh, airline connections and, uh, you know, go up a jungle river in a, in a dugout to get there. It's, it's fairly easy, but the needs are massive. And if we can become part of the kingdom of heaven for them, we're talking about what that might look like up in the future a little bit. So why don't you just talk about what kind of things the groups do that come and where we might be able to help out. The, the groups that come and do short-term missions with us, uh, like Martha said, uh, some of them have abilities of know how to canning. Some of them come and teach how to sew uh, and teach the, the Mexican people that they could, you know, make their kids' clothes and, and stuff and uh, be able to somehow dress their kids or even make uh, clothing to sell and be able to make some finances to provide for the families. Because there's a lot of uh, single moms, uh, and especially among uh, the Indian uh, people. Uh, uh, this group that Martha was mentioned, uh, they come with the uh, with vision of uh, helping us to uh, teach the people how to fish. You know, not just give them the fish, but teach them how to fish. And we sell sufficient and, and stuff. And uh, there's other groups that come and do medical teams and work hard with helping people, you know, giving them uh, health care. But not only that, as they uh, reach out and, 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 and providing some help uh, for them, also the spiritual health in their lives, sharing Jesus, praying uh, to Jesus to do not only use the medicine to heal them, but also to do miracles and medial uh, healing in their lives, and it happens. You know, God says, uh, does miracles that way. And so there's the construction projects, as you saw in the community. Uh, you saw my incredible helpers that I had carrying rocks. Well, we were breaking a big, huge rock in there. Uh, it was the kids that were going, all those children that you saw in the house that were building, it's their home. And so they're helping me to break that rock and, and take it over. And, and we did all that stuff, prepare everything. You know, there's opportunities to build houses for the needy uh, family. Like this, this family was living in a room of 10 by 10. And they invited me to go to the house. And so they wanted to, for me to go and drink some coffee with them. And so I went over to their homes and uh, their mattress was up and all the clothes was bunched up in all the different areas because there's six children and they're all boys. And they have the stove and a little tiny refrigerator. And it's like uh, just God uh, took hold of my heart. And it's like, okay, Pablo, you have to do something about this thing. And uh, Pastor Ruben says, you know, let's see how we could help this, this family. This, uh, this guy was a drunk. I mean, he was, always, he was an alcoholic. And... And he started to come to my men's discipleship class, and uh, I started to share Jesus with him, and he accepted Jesus in his heart. And then uh, his his wife was part of our youth uh, when she was uh, when, when she was very young. And so, seeing this this family with this great need, God just prompted in our hearts to help somehow. And so I said, Enrique. I want you to pray for God's provision for a piece of property to build your house. He goes, okay. And so 
then later on, like probably three weeks later, three weeks later, he comes and says, hey, Pablo, guess what happened? I was doing a, a construction job and, and I was doing some extra stuff. And this person told me I could have a piece of property right nearby our place. And just give me the piece of property. And so I said, well, praise the Lord. So there was a group coming from Santa Barbara, uh, Westman College. And um, for some reason, they had eight projects that they were going to do in different, in different places in the community. Uh, and so one of them just sort of like didn't fall through. I mean, it just felt, it just didn't happen. And so they said, all right, you guys have another site that we could do? And we say, yes, we do. And so right away, uh, I send them the <clears throat> blueprints of the house and everything. You should have seen this guy. I mean, we went to his property. I said, well, let's, let's see how you're going to do your house in here. And we look at the property and where the, our, our house was going to be. And we took lime with us. And just Mark, you saw them. He was standing right by you saw it in the video, I mean in the slide, uh, we put a uh, line where the bathroom and the kitchen and everything was going to go. And he goes, Pablo, you're doing all this stuff and uh, how do we going to do this house? And I said, well, just trust in the Lord. He will take care of you. And so when Pastor Gruben gave him the news, he started bawling. He started crying so hard. And it's like, when the house was made, it was an incredible, an incredible uh, shock for everybody. It's like the girl dream of having a house, a second floor house, and having a nice beautiful window looking at the view of the mountains in there. That was a dream. But she never told us that. I never knew that. In the house, it was built. The guys go, okay, we're going to build this house. And then the construction contractor came and says, how about if we build a second story and build this nice, beautiful windows on the top and everything and, and, and stuff. But when we were building the house, she didn't know that that was going to happen. And I didn't tell her nothing. And then she comes by the house and she sees that the house is going to the second floor and she sees that the window and everything and she just starts bawling. It's like, this is my dream house. But I thought it was going to be impossible in our lives to be able to have something like that. See, their lives was transformed. The house was an addition because they were seeking the kingdom of God. There's many different people in our community with great needs. That you saw another of the houses, you saw something, just some wood standing in there. You saw it, and then the little house was later on. It was a small house, but uh, 12 by, by 16. A small room that I was able to build this last year. Uh, this guy had built a house. He put the, the plywood together, nailed it corner with corner. There was no studs around the house. A few studs were there, but they were not touching the ground. There was no frame for that, the house. And... He was going to put there his wife and, and two children. And I said, if you put your family here, a wind coming through, it's going to kill you. 
let's just pray that God will provide something for you. And he kind of looks at me like, he was, this is a new family that started to go to our church, and it's like, let's just pray that God will, will do something. Because Pastor Ruben says, there's a guy that's building his house, and I don't know how he's building his house. And so he had, he carried with a wheelbarrow his plywood and pieces of wood uh, to go. There was no foundation. There was no floor. There was nothing. Some of the studs were up on the top, but they didn't touch the ground. There was, the house wasn't attached to nothing. <laughs> and I was just like so scared. I mean, I was like, please don't bring your family here. And I said, don't, just stop building that. Let's just pray that God will do something about this thing. And so, well, he kind of didn't believe me. And he continued to build and however he could and start putting the roof on. And so somebody calls me and says, Pablo, we want, we want to go to Mexico, a church like yours. We want to go to Mexico. We want to do a small project. Is there something that we can do? Yes, there's something that you could do. Uh, and I send them pictures and everything. Look, this is what is happening. So we'll do it. So I told the guy, I said, I'm sorry, but uh, I know you work hard to build what you have, but we had to knock it down. He goes, no problem. <laughs> We're going to build something no better. <laughs> See, and there's projects in the community, out in a room, uh, painting. There's houses that they built them, you know, like 10, 15 years ago. They have not painted them because they can afford to paint it. Salary in Mexico, people make like $50 a week. And they have four or six children, they barely eat. That's why we have Casa de Pan to help them ease up some of the things, some of the burdens in their lives. So God continues to work that way. There's a lot involvement, sports. Uh, having my vacation Bible school with our children. Those beautiful faces. And uh, sometimes you might see some of these children that they're pretty... Uh, naughty and rebel and by the end of the week you see them crying and receiving Jesus in their hearts and their life changes not only their, not only their lives but they start ask, telling their mom and dad you know hey Jesus loves you and Jesus changed my life and they see the changes in their lives and they say come let's go to church and they start bringing their family to church and you know children have an amazing faith you tell them that Jesus loves them they say, oh, I want Jesus. If I tell you, as an older person and growing up, Jesus loves you and he wants to have a relationship with you, you'll think about it. <laughs> the children go, you know, Jesus loves you and he died for you and he wants to take you to heaven. I want to go to heaven. <laughs> but we as adults make things difficult. Thank you. Thank you. Let's give him a hand for being here. Just want to pray. Let's stay here for a moment. <clears throat> let's, let's pray for them. I've been wanting to connect somewhere. Somehow we tried with a trip to Costa Rica that kind of came apart at the seams. And then the Lord delivered Pablo into my hands <laughs> and uh, built some relationship and been really looking forward to having them and share, getting to share him a little bit with you. And I hadn't met Martha, but She's awesome, too. Now I understand why Pablo can get up in the morning and, and do it again. Mm -hmm. So let's just extend our hands and let's, let's just pray for them and their ministry and our part.
If you want to help out, there is a, a table outside with some information, and uh, if you want to be a part, partner with them. But we're looking to have a little more role, and uh, you having some of you down there in their lives. Father, we just are so grateful for our friendship. Thank you for bringing Pablo into my life, Lord, and the time that we spent and what a servant he was for me, Lord, in a, a place where I had, I had little clue what I was doing, and I just have been so grateful for that. But, but Lord, now we want to bless them in the work that they're doing now, the work in Ensenada and in Baja, California. Lord, the, the world that they have stepped into, and, and God, you've trusted them with so much. You've given them so much. As they've stepped out, Lord, you've met their need again and again. And we just pray, Father, for open doors. Doors that have closed, we pray for new doors to open. Lord, we, we pray for blessing on the work they're already doing. Lord, but, but there's more. More for them, Lord, and more for us. And so we pray blessing on them and their family, their church, all of these different ministries, Lord, that they're involved with in bringing people to a, to a knowledge that that Jesus has come to seek and to save that which is lost. And Lord, we just thank you for their role in that and being able to spend a little bit of time with us, Lord, as we, as we look to you. Bless them, Lord, both in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pablo. Okay, one, two. Thank you. All right. Put our chairs back here. All right. Appreciate so much them sharing. This is the wonderful thing as we get talking about the kingdom of heaven that um, the kingdom of heaven reaches everywhere. This is the this is the the uh, truth. There there are those who believe that somehow that America is the favored place of God's pleasure and. How many of you think that maybe God values Mexican children as much as he does American kids? Or Thai children? Or Ecuadorian children? Or Russian? You know, God, God wishes and has gone to great lengths in order to make himself available to address every human challenge that exists. And I wanted you to hear personally about how this stuff gets done. Um, I have a sermon that you're all going, oh, no. Um, but I won't get into that. It's, uh, it's actually a pretty good sermon, and it fit really well right up against, um, right up against what Pablo and Martha just shared. We, we start this week um, this book in our home groups and all of those different groups. You can find out where they're at. This is the Fellowship, Kingdom Fellowship book, talking about what does it mean for us together to be in this? Not just for me singularly or that, that which most directly affects me, but what does it look like to be brought into relationship? And so this, this will begin, that's the mustard-colored uh, one of these, and I think they're still, these are available if you want to buy the, the whole set. But as we go through them, and then we're talking on Sunday mornings about the kingdom of heaven. Um, I, let me just share, because uh, we want to pray this morning. We, want, we, have, we also have our um, communion. Let me find my... This is supposed to be faster than my Bible. <laughs> um, we'll see how uh, close I am here. 
Yeah, okay, that wasn't it. We're, um, we want to pray this morning. We, we had, uh, many of you got the prayer request yesterday for a child in our, our um, church um, that has been diagnosed with a heart, a very rare heart condition, and we want to pray for him at the end of the service. Preston, I'm going to bring Preston in here in just a few minutes. And we want to pray, but we want the church to pray what Preston needs because the, the condition is serious. All four chambers of his heart have been affected by it, and uh, he, needs, he needs a new heart. And we want to believe God for a healing, not beyond his reach at all. And we've asked, I asked John to bring his Sunday school class in with him. They, as, as Pablo's already pointed out, they might have adequate faith. <laughs> we will struggle, but they have adequate faith. We tell them that Jesus heals. Uh, I'm, I'm going to write on the, on the back of a child here. Uh, but but we, need, we need you to be praying. And so we want to do that in just a moment. But let me just share this. I was going to share, if you notice the, the notes, it's of such as the kingdom of heaven, Matthew 19. I was going to talk this morning about um, the childlike what does it mean to be, be a child? Why did Jesus use a child as a prototype for the kingdom of heaven? Unless you become like one of these, you cannot enter, he said. And what does that look like? Here, here they come now. Let me just read this quickly. This is a story from, from Luke 9. This is not what I'm talking about. We'll do that next Sunday. Hallelujah, my sermon's already written. Uh, this is a story. Jesus is coming back from, uh, to a city called Bethsaida, which is up in the northern part of Galilee. And he takes the 12 aside, and the people find him, and a great multitude come. And, and the disciples come to him at the end of the day, and they said, send these people away. They're going to be hungry, and there's no place to lodge them, and we're a long ways from anything. And Jesus says to them, you give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. Welcome, guys. This is the class that's going to help us pray here in just a moment. And they, they had the response that we normally have. So how, how can we do this? There's 5,000 men, and that's the, they weren't counting the women and the children. And they said, we don't have anything. He, he, they said, all we have are five loaves and two fish. And, and simple math says it's not enough. Jesus begins calling us into impossible situation because he knows we can't handle it. But what he wants us to know is that he can. Now, there's a lot of us that don't know, we don't understand this about the kingdom, that this is how it works, that, that it works because he is sufficient. See, I am convinced, I have become very convinced as I've been studying and, and, and again taking this material that's become a part of my life and going back into it of just of trying to understand what Jesus was saying when he kept talking about the kingdom, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God. And I began to realize that the kingdom of God is where we are supposed to be. We have been built for that environment. We have not been made for the environment that we live in, the, the, the sin, the breakdown, the, the fear, the things that, that often define our lives and define society, we were not meant 
to live in that environment. That's why we, we break down, why relationships break down, why all kinds of things begin to, to decay and fall apart is because you and I are living in the wrong environment. We're breathing the wrong air. But the kingdom of heaven is where we are meant to live. You are better equipped to live there than you are in this world. But you don't know that yet. That's why we are doing what we are doing, and we'll be doing it all year. We make it sound like two months, but hang in there, folks. It's going to be a good one. Do you see, do you see what I'm saying? This is where, where we want to pull you and draw you in. You feed them. You take care of them. You minister to them. You give them something to eat. You care for them. You bring them into relationship. You get them healed. You, and we're going, we can't, Lord. All we've got are, are two fish and five loaves. And it's not enough. Count, 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 count. And he says, you miss the point. You do not understand. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about me. Now set them down in 50s. And let's just see what the kingdom of heaven can do. It's not until we take that step. They did it. It's interesting as God blessed it. If you, if you read it, it says it is in fact the disciples who then take the bread and give it. Jesus multiplies it. They deliver it. How many of you want to be part of the delivery system? You want to be part of the delivery system? Next week we'll talk about it. How do you become like a little child? Because that's how you become part of the delivery system. And we'll, we'll, you'll have to watch online, Pablo. I'll probably mention you. Does everybody get that? And so we're going to bring our, our kids. And, and Preston, why don't you come right up here? Would you do that? And we have the kids and maybe a couple of others come up. I've asked one or two to come. You ladies that are close by, Joe and Jenny. Hey. Let's get right over here by Preston. We're going to put our hands on Preston, and we're going to pray for Preston. And the whole church is going to pray for Preston because we want Jesus to heal him. We want his heart to get strong again and to get whole. Kind of a wild bunch here. But could the rest of us just extend your, yourself towards us? I'll pray, and then anybody else that wants to pray. Preston needs a new heart. Just flat out needs a new one. And uh, there's things they can do medically and will probably be done. But folks, I, how many of you need a Jesus that heals? I don't need a wimpy Jesus right now. I don't need a plastic one for my dashboard. <laughs> I need a real one that shows up and knows about children's hearts. Knows all about Preston's heart. Jesus, we love this guy. We love this family. We thank you for them. And we ask, Lord, we stand here. We're, we're the disciples, Lord. And you say, feed them. And we haven't got it. But you do. Healing is the kingdom. Healing, Jesus, is, is, is in your repertoire. You have the superior kingdom. No matter what we can do, Lord, you can do it better. You, Lord, are the ones who make us whole. And so, Father, this child's church is now praying and asking you for healing for Preston.
Heal his heart, Lord. Heal the chambers of his heart. Lord, heal the defects. Lord, heal the broken places. Heal, Lord, what we can't see and we can't touch. Holy Spirit, come. You who are the healer, the connectors of all tissue. You, Lord, who are, are the, the author of every breath, the author of every heartbeat. Lord, we pray now in Jesus' name for healing for Preston. We pray for his family, for his mom and dad, for his siblings, Lord, for his grandparents, and for all these that love him, Lord, and who, who, are, being, who are being drawn to you at this moment because, Lord, this is a family of faith. It's a family that knows you. They're not distant from you. Lord, they know you. And so, Father, I pray you generate faith and assurance in them. Let them be the disciples. Let them be the one who, who Lord, also bring healing and wholeness. Holy Spirit, come and heal this child. Heal him, Lord, in Jesus' name, Lord, as we pray and lay hands on him as, Lord, his friends, Lord, uh, his uh, children in Sunday school class, Father, are praying with him that, God, he would be made whole. We thank you, Lord, for hearing us. We, we really do need to hear from you, Jesus. We really do need to hear from you. Touch and heal, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, buddy. That's a lot of attention for a guy that tall. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Thank you for coming and helping. Let's continue to pray for him as they begin this process. They just really got this diagnosis within the last couple of days. And we are part of this family. We are here. We are here for them and for, for him. Preston Holt, write it down and pray for him. Andrea and Patrick are his mom and dad. And uh, pray for them as well. I want our worship team to come back. A little bit of a different kind of morning this morning, but I enjoyed it a lot. And glad that you were here and worship with us. This is also time we have um, our communion time. And we want to invite you as you come. There was a good, clear message here this morning. That until, until we step into the gap, until we step into the way, very little happens. But when we step in, there is no end to God's provision. I don't know how many times I have seen this played out again and again and again. And, but until the need is created and I begin to respond to the need, not out of my bounty, but just simply because it is in need and He is sufficient, that's when I begin to really discover that he is sufficient. If you've got everything, you don't know that. But if we push ourselves to a place and allow ourselves to be pushed to a place where maybe it's a little bigger than me, it's a little farther out than I've ever been, maybe it, the expectancy is a little bit larger than, than what I've had, at that place I begin to find he is able.
It's there that I begin to discover he does all things well. He does exceedingly abundantly above what we can ask or think. I want you to understand, those are not platitudes. Those are not things that I quote when, when I'm a little bit down. That's a reality of a, of a Savior who loves you so much that after he has dealt with the sin problem, he has now included you in his world. And you become the purveyor. You become the carrier. You become the one who cooperates with what God is wanting to do. And, this, and then your story begins to change. He does all things well. And I can testify to it because now I'm a part of the process. How many want to be part of the process? I'm with you. I don't want to be left out. I don't have enough time left to be left out. I want it all to be included. No. So as we come and we partake, this is family time. And thank you, Laura. I think you did this bread, didn't you, for us? The two of you, thank you so much. This is better than crackers. I want you to come and, and take communion, but don't let it be an empty act. All right? Just as you take this, say, God, I want to be in on the multiplication of the bread. I want to, I want to, to be one of those who generously offers the blood of Christ that was offered to me. I want to be part of that solution. I no longer want to be, uh, I no longer want to be a spectator. I want to be out on the soccer field with Pablo. I want to be doing what the kingdom requires. You want to pray for the sick and see them well? Sooner or later, you're going to find some sick to pray for. You want to, you want to feed hungry kids? Sooner or later, you're going to have to go with their hungry kids. You want to get stretched a little bit? Just say yes to Jesus and mean it. And so as we take and we worship and we take the communion this morning, it's this heavy-duty recommitment as much, Lord, as you want me to do. I mean, you know my circumstances, but Lord, let me step beyond that. I want to be as big as the kingdom needs me to be. That's when I'll be satisfied. Let's stand. Thank you, Andrea, for letting us pray with you, including all of us in a difficult moment. If any of you want to pray further with Andrea, I don't think she'd probably have a problem with that. But let's worship. It's important that we do this in the, in the heart of worship. We serve a very, very good Jesus. And you're included. Let me just finish reading this bit of a story. Jesus said to them, you give them something to eat. And they said, we have no more than five loaves and two fish unless we go and buy food for all these people. For there were about 5,000 men. And then he said to his disciples, make them sit down in groups of 50. And they did so. And he made them all sit down. And then he took the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke them. Does everyone understand when Jesus gets hold of something, it becomes a lot more than it started out to be. And the more that I hang on to and demand to keep control of and demand that it remains mine, 
Does everyone understand the less there is that he can break and, and bless? Now there's this point in time where you just have to admit, Lord, it's not about you. It's about 5,000 plus hungry people. And I'm just a cog in this, in this wheel. I need to be where I need to be. He said he blessed and broke them and gave them to the disciples to set before the multitude. And they all ate and were filled. Everyone ate. And 12 baskets of leftover fragments were taken by them. He always overdoes it. We start out being worried that there's not enough and we end up having more than we need. That's the kingdom of heaven. It works that way everywhere. We invite you as we go on, we're, we're pursuing in this year to restore our lives as kingdom people. The first week in April, there's a Friday night, I think it's the 5th of April, and the morning of the 6th, we're gonna start on just, we're gonna do a, a, a brief seminar and then the following Wednesday, whatever that date is gonna be, because it'll take three sessions, of just how to pray for the sick. Shouldn't be rocket science, but we wanted to take any worries and concerns and anything you've got and just model it for you and, and pray. Up the road a little bit, we're going to do another one about what's it like to hear the voice of God. It's impossible to walk in the kingdom of, of heaven without starting to hear God's voice. The Holy Spirit's activity of being able to recognize what's Him and what isn't. Know when to act, when not to. And so we're going to do that in May. And then probably in June, we got another idea. You know, we're going to pull, pull all this back into the table of your life so you will have everything you need when the Lord says, you feed them. You feed them. And you don't have to go, what, what, what? But you know where to go, how to do it, how to move in that, how to cooperate with what God's doing without it ever getting weird or funny. It's just the kingdom of heaven. Won't that be fun? Everyone can say, Pastor Tom, you're a genius. Don't say that. My wife will. Yeah. Don't say that. The woman who knows the truth. Heavenly Father, it's so good to just be in your presence and relax. Thank you for the healing presence that's here this morning. The restorative nature of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for being part of a huge family, Lord, that is operational all over this world. And I thank you, Father, for our small part of it here in Reno. But Lord, we are on a quest to have our eyes opened, have our world expanded. Lord, we're all on the quest to be pushed a little bit beyond our comfort zone, a little farther than we've been, in order, Lord, that we can say, his grace is sufficient with 12 baskets left over. We want to be able to say that, Lord, out of our own lives. That's not just a Bible story or a Pastor Tom story, but that's my story. I'm telling now how I saw God move. And Lord, that's where we want to be. Too many stories, Lord, to tell because the kingdom is just moving into people's lives and through them, Lord, into their homes, into their jobs, in, into the streets, into the world, Lord. Something bigger to see, something bigger to be, 
than what we have formerly been. Lord, we give. We give, Lord, in order that you might receive. You receive, Lord, in order that you might give. So, Father, help us to become liberal with what you've already given us. To be generous, Lord, out of the coffers of heaven. We bless you, Lord, in this week. And thank you for watching over us and getting us this far. In Jesus' precious name, amen. If anyone else needs ministry, we'd be glad to pray for you as well, physical, emotional, whatever. There'll be folks here who know how to pray and be glad to pray for you. So we invite you to come. Have a wonderful week. Thank you for being patient with us. We stuck a few extra things in today. Amen. Amen.